0: This is the Inside Slant Football Podcast.
1: And right, here we go, here we go!
0: Brought to you by Jhawkslant.com, broadcasting around the world. Around the world.
2: We have the latest on KU recruiting, analysis, and what the coaches and players are saying behind the scenes. Here are your hosts, Randy Withers and John Kirby. <laughs>
1: Hey, everybody, this is Randy Withers with another pregame edition of the Inside Slant podcast from Jayhawkslant.com. We are back in the Slant studios where we're going to talk about the Kansas football Jayhawks trying to go 4-0 for the first time in 13 years. We're going to take a look at the Duke game, go in-depth with the Blue Devils. We'll have Connor O'Neill on, who covers the Duke program We'll hear from Kansas Jayhawk standout Kenny Logan, and we'll talk about Lance Leipold's most recent comments on other potential coaching jobs. Before we get into all that, it's time for me to bring in my man, our publisher, and my good buddy, John Kirby. John, how you doing tonight?
0: Man, Randy, how, how could we not be doing well, right? We're covering the Jayhawks. They're, they're 3-0. They're over-touchdown favorites. If I would have told you a month ago, Randy, you and I are going to be doing our fourth podcast of the season. Ku will be over a touchdown favorite against Duke, three and zero. I don't know if you would have believed me. I, I don't know if it's out of the totally out of the realm of possibility, right, going into the season. But let's I'd just ask
1: you for some of whatever you were drinking,
0: John. <laughs> right. You just said <laughs> put down the bottle, curb.
1: No doubt. I mean, this is it's. You know, I said it last week. It is we've never since we've been doing this podcast, we've never had a a, a year like this. No, nope. we're only going into week four. I mean, this is we've <laughs> we've dreamt about doing this and it's 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 I mean last week people were laughing because my score prediction, which I will point out, we did it Kansas did win by three scores. It wasn't twenty one points, but it was three scores. And I mean, just just the level of excitement from this fan base and and I I know you and I feel it too and it you know we always have a good time with these but I think it just it it adds something to it when you and I are when we've got a little bit of juice because the team is so much fun to talk about you know
0: well you know I heard something Brian I think it was Brian Haney said it on Hawk Talk tonight he said that the last time Kansas was 3 and 0 I th- I think he said to either get to 4 and 0 or to get to 3 and 0 they had to beat Duke, and I remember that game. Oh wow! And I do because I remember covered in in the press box. Uh, Cutcliffe was the coach at Duke, mm-hmm. but I remember I remember that game. And Kansas was supposed to roll them, and Duke kind of gave Kansas some fits, and they were doing some good stuff offensively. But but I remember that game, saying you know this this Duke program. Maybe something to watch because they just didn't roll over. You know, this was the Reasing and and Sharp and Stucky and all those guys. It was their okay. it was that 2019 that started five and O. So I mean, it was a good team. But I, I remember Duke in there, and I was like, man, they're uh, they're kind of putting up a fight here more than Duke of that time was supposed to. So it, it's just funny how time you know repeats itself. And here's Kansas and Duke playing three and O. And who would have ever thought that? You know,
1: one of the one of the many old coaches I've gotten a chance to know, Bob Tavernero, and I, I've quoted Tav on several occasions. He always said he goes, "Football's cyclical; it always comes back around." And and here we are. That's it's so weird that something is is similar. Is that literally coming back to the same kind of matchup and such a similar situation? I mean, who would have
0: ever thought that? That's that's pretty crazy, right there, Kerb. It is, it's, uh, it's, uh, uh you, you know, but you know, Randy, it, well, what's crazy is you never really know, you know, we joke about this all the time. People go, Hey Kirby, how many are they going to win this year before the season? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I have yeah. no idea. I mean, I have no idea. And the reason I say I have no idea. Okay. Because number one, there's still question marks with certain teams and before certain years, but I really had no idea. Well, now you look back at it, okay, and they've got a real chance to go 4-0. If most people would have said they believe this, like, hey, I, I called 4-0, I would probably call him a liar. because no doubt. I, I don't think anybody was sitting here calling for 4-0. But, hey, it's been fun, and this Saturday is going to be fun. No question. No question. Before we
1: get into that, I want to take a minute to thank our, our sponsors of the Inside Slant Podcast, team-driven fundraising team-driven fundraising a great company uh that we became aware of because of one of the posters on our board it's a company uh related to you know it's connected to the kansas family through the kansas fan base and everything out of texas they work with high school coaches and and schools to help them raise funds to to help kids be involved in programs and different activities john tell us a little bit more
0: about team-driven fundraising yeah you know randy that you just explained it um you know, they, they help everybody raise funds. I, I've looked at the site, and it looks like a pretty cool deal to me. And, um, you know, one of the one of the guys, Houston Hawk, is a poster on our board, and he reached yes, out. Yes, sir. And, and, you know, I, I've said this before. I've had multiple sponsors reach out, and just sometimes I didn't know if it was the right fit to do it. But I was like, hey, man, here's a guy who's a subscriber. Let's do it. So, hey, and I want to throw this out, too. If anybody's out there is listening. Listen, we we work with you. If you've got, uh, if you want to advertise on the side, if you want to advertise and sponsor a podcast, we we always work with everybody, and it's reasonable. So,
1: you're exactly right, John. Anybody that is interested in advertising on the slant, it's it's a great way to reach a lot of loyal Kansas fans throughout the region, and we would love to have you as a sponsor and supporter of what we do. And, uh, yeah, if you, ever, if you ever have questions, don't hesitate. Be sure to reach out to Curb or you can hit me up on Twitter. Either way, we'd love to talk with you about getting involved as a sponsor of the podcast or on the boards. So, John, you know, last week was a—I don't even know if big is the right word. It was a, a huge road win uh, because it confirmed what KU had done the week before against a good West Virginia team. The Jayhawks go on the road. They go to Houston— they pick up a big win over the Cougars. What stood out to you about this match about about the victory at Houston and what Leipold's squad was able to do
0: in week three? Well, Randy, the the first thing is is now that I'm convinced, if it's raining and KU falls behind two scores, they're definitely gonna win. Okay.
1: <laughs> they have established that pattern. You are exactly right.
0: I mean they go to West Virginia. Right, they fall behind fourteen twice. It starts r- raining cats and dogs, and they win. And mm-hmm. they go down to Houston, and they fall down fourteen, and it rains and lightnings. They've got a weather delay, and they come back and win. So, hey, th- they can play from behind in the rain. We know that, okay? Um, you know what? You know what really impressed me, Randy, and and I'm sure there are reasons for this, but they came back out after that weather delay. Uh-huh. I mean, they came out ready to play. And I don't know that Houston did. And and I think some of that goes back to, and trust me, Dana Holgerson, he's been around a lot of good football programs oh, yeah. and winning. Uh-huh. But, you know, you, you saw the fight on the sideline that they had. And, and you saw a lot of penalties. And, you know, to me it looked just – it was two teams – and opposite end of the spectrums when it comes to the little things. I mean, Kansas didn't create penalties and they they didn't turn the ball over and they were disciplined and they were organized and Houston seemed out of sorts. So, you know, that's that's something that really stood out to me and, and I've always said this. That's how you win at Kansas. Okay? You you don't win at Kansas at least when you're building a program early on by just lining up Right off the get-go, with like more talent, you've got to do the little things, which we started to see last year. S- something else that that stood out to me in that game, Ku wore Houston down. I mean, they warmed down. They just started beating on them and and getting after them. And you know, I don't I don't want to say Houston quit, okay? But I think at some point they realized they weren't going to win this football game. Ku was doing whatever they wanted to on offense. The Jayhawks were getting stops on defense. Um, I, I just thought that I thought at some point Houston kind of backed down and they said, this game's over and you could see it in the, just the body language with the players. And, and like I said, you know, you had that little fight on the sideline. I think it just trickled down from there. And, Mm -hmm. and it was just, it was two different teams.
1: I agree with you completely. You know, I, I heard somebody mention it and I thought this at the time when I was watching the game, when you get them fighting against themselves you know you've got them. And I know I when I was coaching in the high school ranks, that was one of the things that occasionally you'd see it. And you knew once it reached that point where they weren't even thinking about you anymore, they were mad at each other, there is, that's hard to come back from. And Kansas just appeared so in control, even when they were down 14 points. This is something you and I have talked about for years that is a situation that the Jayhawks of old would fold in the fact that they at West Virginia they went down by 14 not once but twice and had the rain and had to go to overtime and just kept coming that showed us a lot about the difference that this is not this is not those old Jayhawks this this program under Lance Leipold has demonstrated already a grit and a fortitude that we have not seen in Lawrence in a really long time. And I think maybe that's the most exciting thing for me is the fact that they they don't flinch. They don't fold. And I think that's what, it 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 just makes this team, you feel like there's so much possibility because they do have a lot of, they have a lot more talent than I think anybody realized. And with that, just that level of, of commitment and and just inner strength, man. I'm telling you, it's, it's exciting to think about what could be possible. Speaking of what could be possible, the undefeated Duke Blue Devils coming to Lawrence. And to preview the matchup this Saturday, we are going to talk about an expert from behind enemy lines now. I'm going to turn it over to Kirby on the studio line. Connor,
0: how are you doing, man? Thanks for joining us.
2: I'm doing well, John. How are you? I'm doing
0: well. Hey, i got to get this just out of the way, right? Because you know it's going to be asked and you know it's going to be talked about. But you've got a matchup of two of the greatest college basketball traditions being played in a game where both teams are undefeated in football. So what is the talk around Durham and the Duke program and the fan base just about this game against Kansas with both teams being 3-0? and
2: well, I think we've got to call this the Champions Classic of the Gridiron. Um, I'm not. I, I can't take full credit for that. I saw somebody on some avenue somewhere on the internet call it that, and I've kind of run with it. But I, I think the basketball programs are matched up against each other this year, if I'm not mistaken, um, in the Champions Classic.
0: No. So, well, hey, it's definitely a game that it, that both fan bases can recognize with.
2: Yeah, and and just to get to your question, I mean the the energy around Duke's program is completely different than last year. Um, you know, last year they they beat Kansas and went to three and one, and it was kind of like, wow, the maybe the ship has been righted from the opening season loss to Clint to uh, Charlotte. But you know, there was a nagging feeling that okay, they beat Kansas in year one of a rebuild. Northwestern didn't look that good and turned the ball over a bunch, and. They beat an FCS team and then Duke got into ACC play and went 0 and 8. And hence David Cutcliffe resigned and in steps Mike Elko. And at 3 and 0, you know, it's not much different than 3 and 1, but the, the refreshment of a new coach and a new style uh, has really brought some new life to a program that had that kind of fallen off in the last three or four years.
0: All right, so you got Mike Elko there now. And, you know, kind of an interesting side story, and it's something that I don't know will ever be proven as a fact, but he was definitely in the mix for KU's job when they hired Lance Leipold. So, you know, what has just kind of stood out to you from the way he's taken over the program and the way he's running things?
2: You know, it it stands out that their offense is clicking. Um, Everybody, and, and Mike has even joked with us about uh, about this several times, everybody just has it in their mind that these defensive coordinators all want to just win games twenty to ten, and they they never want to have a efficient offense. They just want to do enough on offense and he be... But oh, Mike wants to score points. But he joked about that in his press conference on Monday. He's like, you know, yeah, I I want to score. I want to do the things on offense that as a defensive coordinator, I hate it. And I think just the, the casual football fan, maybe even the casual media member can kind of get that stereotype in their mind that, okay, he's a defensive minded coach. He's been a defensive coordinator his entire life. All he wants to do is play low scoring games and hung, hold the other team to 300 yards of offense and that kind of thing. And I mean, Duke has a lot of weapons on offense and they want to play with tempo. they, he has said they they know their uh advantage one of the one of the ways they can create advantages for themselves is to play with tempo offensively and when you play with tempo you're you're telling your defense hey you might need to be out there for you know 32 33 34 minutes today and play upwards of 70 or 80 snaps and you know that that's kind of been the recipe so far
0: all right so jumping a little further into the offense you know Tell us what we should look for with the Duke offense. What do they want to do offensively? Like, what's their scheme and what are their strengths?
2: It's a spread option um, that, you know, most teams in the ACC are are kind of resorting to in some form or fashion. Uh, Riley Leonard has proven to be probably better than you would have even hoped in a best case scenario for. A guy who, it, you know, he started one game last year in an injury spot as a, as a true freshman. He's really been, uh, on point. I mean, he's thrown two interceptions. One of them was through the hands and off the helmet of a receiver at Northwestern. And then last weekend's interception was just a miscommunication with a receiver that happened to be in the middle of the field right to a safety. So. The, the thing to watch for, uh, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't think, uh, let me put it this way. If, if I see it, then any defensive staffer on Kansas sees it. So I don't think I'm telling any state secrets here. Riley Leonard is a lot better of a runner than you would think. I mean, you look at him and again, it's kind of the stereotype of like, okay, he's a, he's a six four, um, tall you know, he's, he's a white quarterback for, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, he is, he is really mobile with his legs and he got outside the pocket and ran a 56 yard touchdown in against A&T over the weekend. Uh, he burned Northwestern with his legs a few times after he'd been, uh, productive with his arm. So though they, they put a lot on Riley's shoulders for a first time starter, he's been able to answer the call every time. And he's really had receivers step up around him. I mean, that's going to make any, any good quarterback is, is going to be a good quarterback because of the receivers uh jalen calhoun is kind of gone he's made the ascension from number two target to number one and they've had some guys that were kind of role players just kind of niche receivers in the past uh really step up into into better roles and and kind of answer the call there too what do you
0: think about their offensive
2: line that's they've been really good um they rotate a, a little more than most offensive lines that I've covered. Like they'll they'll throw in Andre Harris to start. He's a transfer from Arkansas State at right tackle. But then you know second or third series, you can see John Gillot out there, and he's uh, he's been in the Duke program for a little bit. Really, the only two mainstays you can count on seeing every every drive are the left tackle Graham Barton and Jacob Monk, who plays center. Or one of the guard spots. Um, You know they've they've got Chance Lytle uh, is a name that some of your fans might be familiar with. He went viral uh, in August for his operatic singing voice, um, which is just phenomenal. Like they're having a team dinner and all the guys are like, Chance, can you sing for us? You know, let's hear the pipes. And I mean, he is he is he wants to be a bassist for. Uh, an opera one day like that's his that's his career goal when football's over um so just some interesting background but but their offensive line has been a, a really strong point of their team
0: all right so we move over to the defense and i was joking with people on our message board that you know mike Elko's a good defensive mind because the man was making over two million dollars at texas a&m so If you're making over two million dollars as a coordinator, you're probably pretty good. So, talk about what he's doing on defense. What do you like about him, and what have you seen from them so far?
2: There's, you know, it's it's going to sound football coach cliche ish, but their fundamentals seem to be a lot better this year. And that's, you know, they had a really low bar to clear as far as improvement from last year. Uh, Duke was dead last in the country in yards allowed last season. And they're, they're not, they're not going to finish the season as a top 25 defense. Like they've got cracks. They're not that deep at many defensive positions. So when the inevitability of injuries pop up, they're going to have to kind of plug some holes with scotch tape, but their tackling is just so much improved. Um, when they hit guys, You know, they're, they're missing tackles. No, no defense that I'm aware of goes 100% on tackling, but they're a lot better in that area. And when you're, you know, when, when instead of 15 yard runs, you're giving up four or five yard runs, that stuff adds up. Um, last year, Duke was gashed on runs and gashed on, uh, wheel routes and screen plays. Northwestern kind of exposed them in the, in the passing game. I mean, Evan Hall, I think, had 215 yards receiving, and he's their running back. So that's something that, you know, you'll, you'll watch for. Um, I don't know how much of last week they got it fixed versus it was an FCS team that you're going to have some matchup advantages against. So we'll see if Kansas uh, can test that.
0: All right, so this week we got you working double overtime. Um, you're going to do our Q&A that we always release later in the week, but I'll ask you this question that you'll also answer in that. Just tell us about the matchup. How do you see this Duke versus Kansas game and maybe how it plays out?
2: Well, I'm really interested to see like the first quarter or quarter and a half because you've got, on one hand, a Kansas team that's fallen behind 14, nothing in each of the last two games. And then they seem to turn on the gas. Uh, they don't stay down for long and they get really efficient. I think it was the Houston game where they scored touchdowns on six straight uh full possessions, you know, not counting the one that they took over with 15 seconds left in the first half that I, I don't really count that. Um, so, on the flip side of that, you've got a Duke team that has started really fast. Like they were up twenty-four nothing against in the opener. They were up twenty-one nothing against Northwestern a minute into the second quarter, and they were up, I think it was twenty-eight or twenty-one nothing against A uh, and T over the weekend, and that was halfway through the first quarter. So, you know, it's almost like you, you go with the trend and figure Duke is going to get up another two or three touchdowns and then we'll see if the game actually starts or do you bet the complete opposite way in this is the game that Kansas actually starts fast and Duke actually starts slow. So I think that'll determine a lot about how the rest of the game is played. Um, you know, if it's a four quarter game, obviously the, the part that matters the least is what happens in the first quarter. But I think that first quarter will determine a lot about, you know, does Kansas rely on what it's relied on for the last two games, and just that that comeback mentality um, that you know we're if if we're down early, we're certainly not out. And I want to see if Duke, if if they start fast again, can they maintain it? Uh, if they start slow, I want to see. You know, we haven't seen that from this Duke team. I don't think Duke has trailed at all this season. So it's. It's three games in. It's, uh, however, you know, 180 minutes of football without trailing. At some point, you need to see how your team reacts in an adverse situation. And, and that's what we're still waiting to see with Duke.
0: Well, Connor, I can tell you this. If Duke gets ahead 14 to nothing, then the Blue Devil fans had better be concerned. <laughs> because it's it's a running joke now a little bit with the Kansas fan base, right? Kansas has fallen, but they fell behind West Virginia by fourteen twice. They fell behind to Houston by fourteen, and they have come storming back. So it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a funny thing among the fan base that hey, why don't we just fall behind fourteen nothing? We're you know we we come storming back so. Hey, it's going to be an interesting Saturday, and and you know we're going to get a lot of national play on this. This game's going to be talked about a lot. And, Connor, I really appreciate you joining us, and we'll definitely talk to you again soon.
2: My pleasure, John. And, you know, since the game's in Lawrence, I mean, maybe the scoreboard operator just throws a 14 up there for Duke, and,
0: you know, that, that could be the advantage that Kansas is looking for. Yeah, well, the, the Jayhawks will feel right at home if they do that. <laughs> hey, Connor, take care, man. Thanks, John. I appreciate it.
1: All right, let's turn things back over to the KU side. We're going to hear now from Jayhawk standout Kenny Logan about playing in front of what is going to be a raucous Memorial Stadium crowd on Saturday morning. Also, hear from him about staying grounded and what he's seen so far in the early
3: study of the Duke Blue Devils.
0: What's it been like man, just you've been in the program a long time, just to see the excitement around the place?
3: Um it's been pretty fun. Um I feel like we're uh we're keeping our heads uh kinda like in between. We're not getting too high, we're not getting too low, but it's definitely exciting to see uh everybody come around and start to actually kinda take notice. But uh we still got our heads down, we're still working. Uh we're not trying to get caught up in the outside things, we're trying to keep our head uh straight ahead and keep working every day. All right. So, being a leader of this team, I mean, do you talk to the guys about, hey guys, let's take this one game at a time. Let's you know, be,
0: let's go. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, I don't, I don't feel
3: like I really have to, but sometimes it's always okay just to reiterate it. Like we're trying to go one and zero every every week. Um, and that's our, our our mindset. So we just try to go one and zero. We don't try to look forward to anybody else or games down the line. We just try to focus on the week and the team ahead ahead of us.
0: So the defense has kind of started slow a bit. Then the
3: offense picks up, and it seems like then the defense starts clicking. Tell me about that. There's been a couple little pattern here of that. Um, we definitely, uh, we definitely uh, feed off each other. Uh, I just also feel like uh, the defense can start faster, but um, it's just uh, being able to trust the offense to go out there and put uh, points on the board uh, gives us confidence to go out there and play harder. So I really think that's what it is, and it's just little things we got to clean up that uh, make things click faster, but. I'm excited. How excited are you to go out and play in front of what they're calling? Could be a full house or somewhere in
0: that neighborhood.
3: Um, I always kind of interact with the fans. Uh, that's always my nature. So having the full support of uh, the community and Jayhawk Nation is going to be uh, really exciting. Uh, give us a little home field advantage. Uh, they're going to be loud. Hopefully they're making a lot of noise. So we're going to really appreciate that
0: talk about Duke on offense. What have you seen from them on film?
3: Um, Duke is a well-rounded team. They do things at a high level. They execute at a high level, so we got to make sure uh, we're in a position, and we're trying to uh, pitch to our, our keys and make sure uh, we're handling uh, what they produce on offense well.
0: When watching them, is there anything that stands
3: out on their offense? I wouldn't say stands out. They, they do a lot of things well, so we have to worry about uh, a lot of things they do. Uh, we have to make sure we're in the right position and executing at a high level, but they do they do everything at a pretty good rate. Thanks, Kenny.
1: All right, Kirby, it's that time. Give me your thoughts on this Duke game and what are your predictions on what we're going to see from the Jayhawks this Saturday.
0: You know, Randy, I the, the first thing I keep going to and and I'm sure th- this is always what the fans will go to is KU's offense. Okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, s- somebody told me their day at they said uh, – actually, it was a K-State guy. He said, you know, it must be fun covering Kansas football right now because they're fun to watch, right? This is a, this is a K-State guy admitting that, you know, KU is fun to watch. So, I think we always gravitate, gravitate toward the offense. Um, you know, week one, they showed nothing against Tennessee Tech, all right? True. And, and they went out week two against West Virginia, and they kind of opened up the playbook. They brought in the qu- quarterback run game. They brought in the option – they had four guys in the backfield they i mean they they opened it up the, i want to say they caught west virginia off storm off guard by storm and west virginia didn't know how to respond and when, when you're a defensive coordinator you even heard the dc in his interview after the game was over admitted that they were caught off guard okay so yes. that that gave houston a week to prepare for what ku does all right i thought houston was poorly schemed on defense all right. They were in a, a single high safety back there the whole time. They were in man. They never once adjusted in that football game to what Kansas was doing. It was bizarre to me. When you go back and look in the fourth quarter, they're still playing the same stuff they were in the second quarter. Okay, So you've got week two West Virginia kind of caught them off guard. Week three against Houston, they, they, they were, I don't know what they were doing. Okay, Duke is going to be coached up, and they're going to be schemed up. That I can promise you, Mike Elko is a very good defensive coordinator, and he will have them, he will have them ready to go. Now, th- there's something I always remember about matchups in football. Bill Miller, the old co-defensive coordinator for KU, uh, when when Mangino was here, mm-hmm. and and the, I remember when they were getting ready to schedule Georgia Tech, and the word was out that hey, Kansas was going to play Georgia Tech. Now I don't know if I don't think Bill was on the staff under Gill, who actually played Georgia Tech. But I remember Bill Miller saying, God, why would you schedule Georgia Tech? He said, it's such a hard offense to prepare for. And he says, he goes, I know how to stop the option. He says, I can sit up on a chalkboard and I can diagram how you stop an option play. He goes, I've played option football for years, but I can show you how to do it, but I don't know that my kids can do it, okay? Okay. So Interesting. And there's a there's a big difference there. You, you take a guy who's a good ball coach, and he can put up, and you give him a, a whiteboard, he can go, and he can say, hey, listen, when these guys do this, here's our answer to this. True. But just because he can show it on a chalkboard doesn't mean that they're going to be able to stop it. And that's kind of where I'm seeing this matchup right now. I think Duke is going to do some things to try to take away Jalen Daniels run game they're going to do some things to take away the option the question is is if they can do that for four quarters I think Duke does some good things on offense they run that that zone spread that spread read where the you know the quarterback he's pretty athletic I mean I've watched him he's he'll outrun linebackers and he's not bad at all he's got some size Um, the running backs are physical up front they're okay I don't know if their wide receivers scare me but Duke's a formidable opponent. I mean, they're like I said, they're going to be well-schemed, well-coached. They're different than West Virginia and Houston. I don't think Duke has the athletes West Virginia and Houston have. However, I do think they'll make up with some of that for coming in, being confident, and, and being well-coached. I just, th- there's a couple things, Randy. I think Kansas has the momentum they're playing at home and what's going to be the largest crowd we've seen in a long time, mm-hmm. I, just being around the players, being around the coaches, you know, it, it's a little bit the, the momentum factor, but you know what, for me, I think Kansas is the better football team. So I'm going to go KU 35 Duke 28. Give me yours. That
1: is, that's an interesting score. Now I think, I think there's going to be a little bit more of a differential between the two. I've got Kansas winning this one. I think it's going to be 11 points. I see this being 31-20. Um, I could see it go a little bit higher, but I really do feel like it's going to be 11 to 12 point differential between the two. Um, and that's not like last week where I said, you know, a score or two and, and ended up doing the math and getting it to 21. As I said on the board, you know, leave those math to me. <laughs> I I I see Kansas winning this one by 11 to 12 points. Um, I agree with you. I think Kansas is the better team here. Um, I also agree. I think think Duke will come in prepared because, obviously, they now have – they've got three weeks of tape on Kansas, including the last two weeks of them really kind of unveiling – what the offense is going to look like, I still expect Andy Kotonicki to run to continue to roll out every week with new wrinkles That's what a good offensive coordinator does, and he has already proven that he is a spectacular play caller. He will have new wrinkles every week um you know it's it's interesting watching him, and I know we're we're really spoiled in this part of the country. Some of what he does and the way that he holds things back and kind of brings things out gradually, it it's shades of Andy Reid. Although I know that's nothing unique to any any really good play caller. That's something that they all do. They always have a new wrinkle, a new variance every week. And I, I think we'll continue to see that. Uh, I think we'll also start to see this defense is going to get a little more, a little stronger every week you know we've talked about how last year as the season went on that defense improved and I think we're going to continue to see that I think we'll see a a better effort against Duke I think we'll see them contain uh their offense a little bit better we're going to see that secondary maybe shore up a little bit more and uh yeah I I think we're going to see the Jayhawks go 4-0 on Saturday and it is going to be in front of a maybe even sold-out Memorial Stadium. How crazy
0: does that sound, John? Well, it, uh, you know, it, 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 this is all... <laughs> so, sometimes, Randy, I, I I, look back and I'm just like going, I, I I, don't go, is this really happening? But I do, it, it, it gives me shades. Now, I understand, I covered the the Mangino era, okay, mm-hmm. from start to finish, okay? I was there the whole way, so I've... I've seen this. I know what it feels like. I've seen what it feels like. It's just been so long that you there. There are things that you remember. I mean, it's kind of sad to say that, but there are things you remember from what was continual successful football. What it looked like and what it felt like to now go back and see some of the things in place now and start to go. God, I remember that from the Mangino years. God, I remember this or that. You know, so. Hey, it's great to see, and, and and I'm looking forward to Saturday. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. It's funny
1: because you talk about it's been so long. The other side of that, the run-up to this, the laying of the foundation, the, the, the change of culture, and the turning the ship has happened in such a short amount of time. It's been so long long ago that we've seen this but it's also it's happened so fast how big a shock is that to you i mean i know we're only 3 3
0: weeks into the season well i don't know you know we were talking about mangino okay M- mangino in year 2 got to a bowl game which was unfathomable now, i mean no nobody thought that would happen True. i don't think anybody thought ku would be a uh, seven touchdown our seven point favorite going into the duke game with a chance to be four and oh but Good you know Rand- randy there's there, there's some things here though there were signals and there were signs Look back to last year. They beat Texas. They play West Virginia to the final possession. They play TCU to the final possession. So they went into the offseason, and there were some signs. Everybody was happy. All the KU fans were pumped up because they saw competitive football at at the end. Now, what they do, they get the transfer portal. They get another year under Gildersleeve. They get another year in the system. Look at Kotelnicki. He couldn't have done all this stuff he's doing now last year. He, I mean, he was able to install some of this stuff in the spring. You know, in the summer now, they give you a few hours during the week to meet with players and go over things. Then they had uh-huh. fall football. So the whole program has kind of evolved. Okay, I don't know that it's a shock when you look back at last year, the way it ended, because they showed signs that they could hang with teams. That's a very good point. Okay, we've talked about all the happy and the
1: fun stuff. John, it's time to talk about the elephant in the room. I'm going to bring up an uneasy topic, something that makes all Kansas fans really uncomfortable
0: right now. I know where I know where this is going.
1: And everybody's been talking and there has been a lot of conversation. We've seen a ton of lists from different college football pundits and, and prognosticators and experts saying that Lance Leipold is a candidate for the Nebraska job. And I'm going to play a clip from his appearance on Ryan Leaf's show and, and let people hear what he had to say
2: be remiss if i didn't ask when when you become successful like you have throughout your career there's always another opportunity your name has been brought up for other jobs already because of how successful you've been how do you handle things like that especially when you're trying to build something uh in in the in the culture and the 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 days of now nil and the portal and everything like that as a head coach of these young men yeah, just like anything, I think you have to stay in the moment, be where your feet are at. Uh, you know, my wife Kelly and I, we, we came to Lawrence, Kansas not to move. You know, if, uh, this stage of our career, uh, it's flattering. Um, you know, it's like you said, it's early, it's early in the season, but our focus is trying to build the Kansas Jayhawks into a winner and a consistent winner for the long haul.
1: Kirby, give me your take on this and and what you thought of Coach Leipold's answer.
0: Well, I want to tell you this, Randy. That you know that was a clip that that I know we had in our audio and and just before we started this, I, I want to read this, okay? Because I don't want to butcher it. Mm-hmm. Just before we went on the podcast here, uh, Lance Leipold was on Joel Clatt's show. Yep, this is good stuff. Yeah, and he said, uh, if you look at Buffalo and Kansas, they weren't on everybody's list to throw out on their resume, but I feel that these jobs are the fit for the right reason and the right challenges, and you know the good Lord puts us here for a reason. My wife and my family are extremely happy here. We expect to be here a long time. Okay, so week, was it two, Matt Tate from the Journal World asked Lance in his press conference, Mm-hmm. Hey, you know your name's being mentioned, and Lance's answer was, "Hey, I'm getting ready to. We're getting ready to play Houston. I'm focused on Houston. And Leipold's an old school ball coach. Okay, so that answer to me, it it meant, you know, I saw so many comments of people going, "Oh my God, he didn't say he was staying, and he didn't, you know, it, that why was not why didn't
1: he shoot it down completely? Right? I God. mean, <laughs> but,
0: but Randy, listen, I've covered." I've covered what six or seven coaching searches since I've covered KU football. I have awesome. gotten to know agents, I've gotten to know athletic directors, I've gotten to know several coaches who are who are still at Kansas or have been at Kansas and I, I've been through it all with this. Can I tell you there is no right answer for that? When when a coach is asked about another job, his answer is never right unless they say I will be 100% your coach here next year. And I think that's happened before, and it's even actually not been true. So my point is, Randy, we really don't know, okay? True. But, but the last couple days uh, on Ryan Leaf's show, on Joel Klatt's show, you know, the, those statements are pretty strong. Um, you know, I, I, I really believe he likes it. I've talked to enough people he likes it in Lawrence. His, his, his family likes it in Lawrence. I mean, I think they're a great fit. For KU, I think he's a good fit for KU. Um, I think the the Lawrence area Midwest, you know, is something, you know, he'd always like to be in. You know, Randy, this could be his program, right? Kansas can be his program because it has been so long since anybody's won. If if Lance Leipold could build Kansas into a team, that and I'm being, I, I'm I'm not shooting high here. If they could go. Between five and seven and eight and four, okay. Lance Leipold could just retire at Kansas. Now I know he's a competitor and doesn't want to. You know, he he five and seven wouldn't be what he shoots for. But Kansas fans have been looking for the guy that can get them to where he's showing right now. Okay, no question.
1: But if 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 he can build the program to where he's six to eight wins a year, then.
0: Kansas will build him a statue well, outside of the stadium. But but it, see, it's different too. See, it can be his program, and really, mm-hmm. really, that's you know, listen, we, we're talking about stadium renovations, okay? Mm-hmm. We're talking about you know NIL. I mean, people will rally around someone like him. I mean, this can be his program, and and I keep going back to that. Because and, and hey, I'm just talking hypothetically. Okay, of course. L- look at Nebraska. Okay, they just hired Scott Frost. He was the golden boy. He was the guy. He was he was Mister Nebraska. He had just taken Central Florida to an undefeated season. I mean, this guy was it. Everything was aligned, and they're they're canning him early. I mean, it's a, it's a hard job. So I'm not going to get in all the speculation. I'm just saying that number it's so early for that but these last couple statements Leipold has talked about i mean they 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 do carry some weight and i got to tell you this too Travis Goff is a sharp guy he's a good ad um <clears throat> i've just talked to too many people that that say that the ship he's got going there right now is is going in the right direction and and again he's a great Travis Goff's a great fit for Kansas he's going to be proactive in this okay he is not going to sit here and let Lance Leipold's name be thrown around without coming up with some plan to get things worked out. So I'm not going to sit here and throw out any more speculation on that, but I can promise you that Travis Goff is not just sitting and standing by with his football coach, who's 3-0, and with no plan in place. So I'll leave it at that.
1: John, that is exactly what I needed to hear tonight.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And
1: I guarantee Kansas fans that are listening to this tonight, they are thanking you as well. Now, we've talked about the elephant in the room. Let's talk about something a little more fun. I know you said recruiting has been kind of slow through the first few games. Obviously, they've only played at home one week so far to this point in the season. Um, That said, with the potential for a sold out stadium and a big matchup chance to go four and zero with this home matchup on Saturday against Duke, have you seen maybe an uptick in not just activity on the recruiting trail, but maybe some interest from kids that are being targeted by this Kansas staff?
0: Yeah, there's there. I think in the last couple of weeks we're starting to see it. You know, I don't know how much of effect I've said this on the last podcast. I don't know how much of an effect it'll have on the twenty twenty three guys. It could still play a little bit in, but definitely twenty twenty four. People who are just starting to get in the process, um, maybe transfers, guys are going to enter the portal. and the portal, that's just a whole nother thing because they've got the date set in now. So you can't even enter the portal until like after Thanksgiving. So (laughs) that's going to be a whole nother mess. We'll address in another podcast. Um, You know, you know, they're, they're building relationships. I believe they're going to have over about 70 recruits this, this weekend. And you know, Randy, I'm going to do a little something different on this podcast I'm going to, I'm going to keep the names back. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. We're, I'm going to, I'm going to have a good list of names and some good info and I'm going to kind of hold this one back for the subscribers this week. And you know, we're going to have some good updates and some good info is all I'm going to say. Um, like That's I said, what the,
1: in radio, they call that tease. Don't tell.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm not even, <laughs> I I'm not teasing or telling. So, <laughs> so, so we'll have a, we'll have a lot of recruiting updates coming in the next week. That's what I'll say.
1: You know what? Hey, then I've got something to say, too, that this is the perfect time to get that recruiting scoop to find out who's going to be there for Kansas versus Duke this Saturday. We've got a free trial going on right now. 30 days free to Jayhawk Slant. If you're not already a subscriber, what are you waiting for? The best Kansas fan site anywhere on the Internet. You're obviously already listening to the Inside Slant podcast. Get with the program and get all the inside information from John Kirby, from Connor Becker, from myself on the football side, from Shea Wildemore on the basketball side. There is no better time than now to find out what you're missing with Jayhawkslant.com. Take advantage of that 30-day trial. Find out all about the recruits that we've got coming in this weekend and what should be a huge, potentially historic weekend for Kansas football. All right. Now, John, we haven't done this in a few episodes, but we're going to do a Q&A with 10 questions from the subscribers on our message boards. Now, what I want to do, because we try to keep these these pregame moves, we want this to be condensed. We know people are trying to gear up for the game and get ready. We don't want this thing to go too long. So we've got 10 questions. We're going to go 10 by 10, meaning you've got 10 seconds to answer each question. OK. All right. All right, John, here we go. From KUAIC, what's a realistic goal for points per game
0: at the end of the season? For Offensively, I assume? Yes, sir. Okay, um, I'm going to say... Well, I think it's going to come down, all right? I mean, they're going to start facing some better defenses in the Big 12. You're going to start getting some pretty good coaches out there. They're going to get more film. They're going to start coming up with some ways, kind of like an advanced scout in baseball tries to find holes in a hitter's swing. They'll, they'll try to find holes in KU's offense. So I, I think it'll come down a little bit. Okay, number two, from ba- I almost said Beowulf, but it's B-A-Wolf, real close. <laughs> How long do you think the
1: offense can sustain this kind of production?
0: Well, hey, listen, kind of back to the question I just, the, the last person just asked. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, the KU's offense is legit. It's the real deal. Okay, but they are going to start facing tougher teams and good coaches. So I, I, I don't know. That's a good question.
1: Okay, number three. Now, this is one that should be easy for you. Hefeweizen02
0: ask what's your win prediction
1: for the to- win total right now? Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I really don't know. I, I said before the season, I said I don't know. But at least we have an idea what the team looks like now. Mm-hmm. So, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll go out on a limb. I think six wins is in play. I'll say that.
1: I'm going to say seven. Okay. Seven wins. Texas Jayhawk87 asks,
0: at this point, what are your thoughts on bowl game eligibility? Well, I think me and you just answered that, right? If they get That's six or seven, so, so, uh, hopefully somewhere warm in December.
1: There you go. All right, number five, any Crimson asked if you could name two to three things that make Coach Leipold so successful, what would those things be?
0: Organization, structure, and I think he's a straight shooter. I think what you see from him is what you get. He's very honest. He's very down to earth. He's very humble, and I think that has been a good recipe. I agree. One of my favorite things he said this week is he's talked about how you've got to be where your feet are. And I I love
1: that. I think that that's a tremendous summation of just the way that he approaches everything about his philosophy, the way he lives his life, the way he coaches his program. And I, I, I love it. I love it. Number seven, Crimson Hawk 2016 asks, how many defensive linemen will we take in this class? That's a good question.
0: Yeah, that's hard to tell. Um, Number one, I think, is you're going to lose a lot of defensive linemen in this group, right? Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it's going to depend on the development of what they see, whether some guys can get in the games, um, some of the underclass guys, what they can show. I know they like some of the talent. Or how do they develop on scout team or in practice over these next nine weeks is going to determine how many they take. All right, we got to pick up the pace here, John. Got a few
1: more. Eudora Hawk asks, what recruiting philosophy in the current age of NIL, portal, and mobility of players, best serves KU long-term? Good
0: question. I'm not sure I really understand that question. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't know if he's saying, like, their philosophy of, of using NIL or, or their philosophy of recruiting, but I, listen, here, here's what I think. Whatever the question is, KU has a really good inside recruiting staff. Mm-hmm. Rob L O. Grant Murray, Scott Allego, all those, Greg Schwarzkopf, all those guys are really good, okay? So whatever the, the, the situation that comes up, they're going to find ways to get things done, as we saw with the transfer portal this offseason.
1: All right, number nine, Detroit W., the defense is allowing 36 points per game. Good for 93rd in the nation and 473 yards per game. Good for 110th. Do you think those numbers start to improve? I've already said, I think so. I'm pretty sure I know you're feeling too.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, no, they're going to have to improve, right? Because if they're going to get to the six wins that I said, and the seven wins that you threw out, Mm -hmm. then that's going to have to improve again, Randy, I go back to this. They're going to start playing some better offenses than they've seen so far. So, you know, they're, they'll have to turn around. They've got the ability to do it. No question. Number 10, Gizmo's 04. Coach has a loyal staff. Were they extended with raises as well? You know, I don't, I don't think so. I, I assume they're talking about the recent one-year extension that they had. I don't think so, I'm but I can tell so. you this. I, I'm sure they will be presented very nice packages soon.
1: <laughs> well put. I like the sound of that. I'm just, hey,
0: I'm just, listen, I'm just using my common sense on this and knowing Travis Goff and knowing the situation and knowing all this, I, they aren't just going to sit back and stand, stand by and watch things happen without acting.
1: I was going to say, I think the last thing Kansas fans need to be expecting is for Travis Goff to get caught flat-footed. No, I think That ain't going to happen. No doubt finally, our last one from J. J. Scott NYC. Excuse me. I think discussion about the offensive line progress would be interesting and the players making contributions. I don't really know how you answer that. But a couple OL that you
0: think are doing well? Well, they all are. I mean, the offensive line hasn't allowed a sack yet. That's insane. The (laughs) offensive line is exceeding all expectations. This is probably, you know, I take that back. I think there was confidence in kind of that front five, but there was no confidence in anybody behind it at the time. So We talked hey, a lot
1: about that, actually, yeah, over the so, summer.
0: Listen, hey, knock on wood, everybody's healthy, and the offensive line's playing good. That is the final word from John Kirby, and that wraps it up for the
1: pregame edition of the Inside Slant podcast from com. You've heard information from... Behind enemy lines about the Duke Blue Devils. We've talked recruiting. We answered. We said we're going to do 10 by 10. We actually did 11 questions off the board. We've given the update on potential coaching jobs and why Kansas fans need to quit worrying so much about Lance Leipold. More than that, I want to take a minute now to thank again our sponsors, Team Driven Fundraising. They're a sponsor of the Inside Slant podcast. They give us the opportunity to continue to bring great content to you guys, and they are a fantastic business affiliated with Kansas fans. Get out, support them, work with them to support your local high school or programs, sports programs or activities there to make sure that kids can be involved and can continue to be involved that might not otherwise be able to. For our man John Kirby, I'm Randy Withers. You've been listening to the Inside Slant podcast. We will talk with you again soon. This has
2: been a podcast from Jhawkslant.com.